Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's July 19th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs are back. Training camp moving in day for the Super Bowl champions was Tuesday. In came the rookies and the quarterbacks. So we heard from, and you'll hear from, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes discusses returning to his sixth training camp as a starter, how things have changed, his leadership role, and his bond with Andy Reid. He also spent some time discussing his participation in the Netflix series, Quarterbacks. But first, you'll hear from Chiefs beat writer, Jesse Newell. We discuss camp storylines, starting with the absence of Chris Jones, and we speculate on how long that will last. From Chiefs, we shift to Women's World Cup Soccer, which kicks off in Australia and New Zealand this week. And you'll hear an interview conducted by star columnist Vahe Gregorian with U.S. women's national team coach Vladko Andonovsky. He's Vladko to us. Vladko coached KCFC, the women's professional soccer team here, and won two championships about a decade ago. He's lived in Kansas City for several years. So... Jesse Newell, and then Patrick Mahomes, followed by Vahe Gregorian, then Vladko Andonovsky. Let's get started. Training camp 2023 is here, Jesse. It's here because you and I are sitting at Missouri Western State University, and we heard from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid today. Camp actually starts tomorrow. Um, We're recording this on Tuesday. Camp starts on, on Wednesday. But just the quarterbacks and the rookies, and then the veterans report this week. So did Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid say anything today that caught your ear? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, it's tough because nothing's happened yet. You're sort of just talking about overarching topics. But Andy Reid, to start off with, the Chris Jones thing, I think he said what we expected, that he doesn't know if Chris Jones is going to show up here uh, when veterans report on Friday. But it is an answer, and that's going to be the number one topic, sort of like Orlando Brown was last year. Um, when you have that sort of contract situation, a long-term deal that wants to get done or that both sides are talking about getting done, that's going to be the number one sort of um, thing on people's minds until it gets resolved. And so he said he didn't know if he'd be here. Um, obviously... In the past year, Brett Veach, about a month ago, said he anticipated Chris Jones to be there at the ring ceremony, and he wasn't. Chris Jones later said he was sick. So, you know, you kind of wait these things out. But I thought that, along with um, Isaiah Pacheco, the update on him, said not sure if they're going to put him on the pup list. Need to remind folks that the pup list is different in the preseason than it is in the regular season. The regular season is where you have to miss four weeks. The preseason is just, okay, we're going to put you on there, and you can't start practicing until trainers clear you, basically. But 
it at least does raise your eyebrow to the possibility that, you know, if things don't go well or perfectly uh, with Isaiah Pacheco, that potentially this could be kind of running down the wire. And will he be ready for week one or the regular season? Uh, that still might be to be determined based off of, you know, what he's done to recover from offseason shoulder surgery. So I would say those two things mostly. Um, Patrick Mahomes got asked a lot about the quarterback series, which I binge watched here in two days. Uh, last two days, so very fresh of mind and um, thought he had some interesting responses. He made mention very quickly that he tried to edit out, edit out some of his cussing, but, you know, not a lot of it. And we did hear him cuss a lot more than the other uh, players on the documentary. But I think it shows some authenticity there and kind of the real thing that he goes through on the field and kind of the person he turns into. So uh, not too much revealed today, but I would say those are the main things. And obviously we'll be paying attention a lot to the Chris Jones and also the Isaiah Pacheco situations moving forward. All right, we're going to talk about some of these issues individually. Um, so, uh, and you'll hear from Patrick Mahomes after you and I finish gabbing a bit. And you'll hear Mahomes in his entire 10 minutes with reporters today. He spoke on several topics, including the, the Netflix series quarterbacks. Um, let's go back to Chris Jones for a second, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the developments in the Chris Jones story was the signing of Quinnen Williams, mm-hmm. right? The, the New York Jets defensive end signed a, was it a four-year deal worth $24 million annually with $66 million guaranteed. That makes him the second highest paid player at his position. Of course, Aaron Donald has set the market at $31 million a year. I got a feeling Chris Jones is going to fall somewhere in between Quinn and Williams and Aaron Donald. Do you get that sense? Yeah, and again, we these things are complicated, of course. You know, you can talk about the a- average annual value, which is one part of it. The guaranteed money is another part of it. How many years you have is another part of it. So these things, um, if we talk about one number, it's probably a little bit more complicated than that. But yeah, if you're just looking at base level, like you figure Chris Jones probably needs to be paid somewhere between those two. That Quentin Williams signing probably didn't help him that much or his agency that much because it was barely above the second mark before that. I think it was $23.5 million before that, and that only ups to $24 million. So you have this big gap, as you mentioned, Blair, $24 million for the second highest paid player and then thirty-one point seven for Aaron Donald at the top. Um, where, where is the mark where Chris Jones would fit in or be most comfortable with or, or how, how high will the Chiefs go? It seems to me that if Quinn Williams came in at 26 or 27, you could easily slide him in at 27 or 28, and that would be the negotiating part from Jones's side. Now you still sort of have that big gap between where would the number two guy fit in. So um, it's, it's complicated right now for the Chiefs, right? Um, they know that Patrick Mahomes makes a lot of money now, and they're going to have to extend him here the next couple of years probably to keep him at the top of his his list. And you always, when you have an expensive quarterback, again, Patrick Mahomes deserves it, but you have an expensive quarterback uh, and going against some teams that have quarterbacks on rookie deals, you have to save money where you can. And we're only a year removed from them looking at the Tyreek Hill situation and saying everybody thought they had to re-sign him, and they moved on, and they traded players. Uh, traded to get players for him. So the Chiefs have really stood their line on a lot of these negotiations and, and kept kind of the number that they wanted with that. And so that makes for an interesting thing. Now, Andy Reid said today the communication is still open. We've heard that often with Brett Veach. I still think this thing gets done. I, I would anticipate it getting done and, and being done relatively soon. But until it is signed and until it is out there, uh, it does leave you wondering kind of where both sides are at. And if Chris Jones is willing to sort of do the Patrick Mahomes route that he's talked about, which is give up a little bit of money and want to continue to play for the Chiefs, be here, play for a winner. We saw that tweet from him in March where he talked about he wants to be a Chief for life. So might be giving away a little bit of leverage with that or a little bit of his inner inner mindset with that. But uh, yeah, we'll see with Chris Jones. Um, I still think it's going to happen, but 
every day that it doesn't, it continues to be a story that we're going to track. Of course, we're in the same position we were in 2019 with Chris Jones and the Chiefs. That uh, different scenario, a little bit of different scenario, mm-hmm. but also helped sat out OTAs. Um, but but then he he was here for when training camp, either the first or second day of training camp, as I recall. Yeah, he reported right away. And what's fascinating about this now with the CBA is that there is, with the fines you get for not being here. There is not much incentive to, quote, hold out, if you will, because you miss a lot of money. So there's kind of this new wave of holding in where basically a player shows up so that he doesn't get fined and then comes up with some sort of injury or here's why I'm going to sit out or whatever the reason is. But basically saying, hey, I'm not I'm not really going to exert myself here at these practices in St. Joseph until uh, this sort of thing is resolved as some sort of leverage. But uh, I, I would again, we'll, we'll see what happens coming up Friday. I would anticipate he's going to be here. I would anticipate that those contract negotiations will be ongoing and I think they'll get something done. It seems like both sides are motivated to get something done. It's just at this point you sort of wait and see and we're still in that wait and see mode even after a couple months where we anticipated there at least was a chance for this thing to get done earlier than it did. Every time Andy Reid speaks to the media he's asked about Chris Jones and every time he's he's asked about Chris Jones he speaks confidently that it's going to happen. It's almost like it's matter of fact to him that uh, when when Chris Jones gets here is what he, what he says. Um, <laughs> I, I I appreciate his confidence in it, and I, I take my cue from it. To be honest with you, I, I think Chris Jones will be here and probably here be here pretty soon. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the Chiefs side of this. You know, we can say Tyree Kill, and and they moved on without him and won a Super Bowl, but this just seems a little different, right? I mean. The AFC Championship game. How many how many games did Chris Jones win for them just with uh, a crucial sack? Well, they don't, they, don't, they don't win the AFC title and, game without him. And there's so much of this where we say, okay, Andy Reid can help out that they don't have as many receivers on the roster, and and Patrick Mahomes can help with that. With that, but uh, there's just no replacement right now for Chris Jones. Now, the flip side of that is. Maybe you still can win without it because the Chiefs, what they've done so well is just they have held their line. They've not backed themselves into a corner and been beholden to somebody demanding something from them. We saw that with Orlando Brown. I mean, they didn't sign long-term with him. They didn't offer him a franchise tag. They went out and got Jawan Taylor. Uh, they've always been flexible with what they want to do and kept themselves in flexible situations. And I think that's why not only they had a chance to win last year's Super Bowl, but they've got a chance to win many moving forward. So this would be an awkward time to trade him, obviously, going the last year of his deal. But, I mean, you look at the big picture of this, you know, what would Chris Jones mean to the Bears? And what would the Bears pay Chris Jones? Uh, they'd probably pay him pretty close to Aaron Donald, right? To, all of, to, they would pay him all of the money. So, and that's what I'm saying here, is that if you, it's more awkward now because the, tr- the this trade would happen after the draft rather than before, like Tyreek Hill, where the Chiefs would get the immediate dividends of a, of a draft pick. But, like, is there a world out there where it would make more sense for the Chiefs to just restock on the draft picks? We saw they got got all those draft picks last year. They all contributed to the Super Bowl. And then the Bears or something like that that has a bunch of cap space that needs to get better, that has some folks on the hot seat. They get their dominant <laughs> defensive lineman, and they pay him whatever he wants because they have the money to do that. So, again, I mean, this is way down the rabbit hole here, but 
Uh, those are the sorts of things you think about, and that's I'm sure the things that the Chiefs are thinking about here, where if they don't get Chris Jones at that number they feel comfortable with, they are going to look at pursue all, pursue all options or at least look at all options. Um, number one option would be get him signed long-term and keep him here as everybody wants. But uh, that's the flip side is that if you see other avenues out there, those are the types of avenues the Chiefs have explored recently. And it's part of the reason they've remained flexible with what they do. I do like that Chris Jones was on stage with Patrick Mahomes the SBs, and that was a big Travis thing. Kelsey uh-huh. and got to speak there. That just, you know, again, speaking to my, you know, my, my sense of, confidence that he'll he will continue to be a chief and um and, and sign a long-term deal pretty soon actually so let's go to a couple just a couple other quick items i want to go back to the injury to isaiah pacheco um what, what are the chief's options here who are we going to see run with ones um early on in training camp a really good question um one of the big storylines of camp is gonna be generic prince um, undrafted rookie. We talked, I wrote this offseason a couple months ago about his speed score, which is a me- measurement that takes into account a guy's 40 time and how big he is. Last year, the whole draft class, the number one in speed score was Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. This year, number one in speed score out of all the players was Daneric Prince, right above Bajan Robinson and uh, Jameer Gibbs, you know, two guys that got taken in the first round. The Chiefs seem to really like him. Um, the thing they didn't know about him coming into rookie minicamp is that he's been catching passes, so his hands are better than they thought. So, uh, you know, Clyde edwards lair has been here forever. Uh, obviously, Jarek McKinnon uh, was re-signed, so you have those guys there. But as far as the number one back, um, I would think Jarek is out there for passing downs and then for running downs. You're looking at Clyde versus Daneric, and uh, that should be something to watch during camp. Again, we can only see so much running game during camp, but uh, I would say those two guys would be in a battle to try to see who can take some of those reps. That should, should be one of the early camp stories. Is Absolutely. Who, who's at uh, running back uh, with the one. So, uh, now, do I, do I have this right, that you did not have Netflix before the weekend, and you signed up for Netflix for a specific purpose of watching quarterbacks? That is 100% true, and uh, my wife is very happy because now she started up Bridgerton again. So, um, <laughs> you know, we're a happy Newell family now that we uh, re-upped on the Netflix and uh, don't have to steal anybody's password. Well, we, I guess they don't allow it anyway anymore now, right? That's it, It's it's much more difficult to do. Yeah, uh, My kids could tell you, but... Uh, um, what, what was your favorite part of the series? I haven't finished it. I still have a couple more episodes to go. But you binged it, watched the whole thing. What was your favorite uh, favorite parts? I had to use binge because I don't think I've ever done that before. Um, you know, since you don't have Netflix, you can't really binge. Right. Um, have you been? You've now been sucked into the world. There it is. Maybe, maybe <laughs> if I keep this subscription past this month, maybe we're both going to have to binge our shows and get off of the Netflix. Um, you know, for Mahomes. I think the most fascinating part was his on-field interactions. And, you know, the fascinating things were good rush, 9-8. You know, basically saying he sometimes tells those guys that to maybe there's the benefit of the doubt where a guy doesn't clean your clock when he could, that sort of thing. But uh, you just see so much more of that. And I I did like – I mean, it's weird to say I like the cussing, but I feel like we saw a more genuine side, excuse me, of Patrick than we did maybe the other two – players who were a little bit more reserved and maybe a little bit more um, choosing to edit out potentially what might be seen by uh, people out there where Patrick, we, we heard a lot of F-bombs, you know, we heard a lot of the competitor in him and what he does. And uh, I, I don't think enough can be said, especially after watching the documentary about his ankle, what he played through and how he got to that point, because showing the beginning of how he works with Bobby Stroop and all those exercises he does, I'm not sure another quarterback in the NFL would have been ready 
and or played the way he did in the Super Bowl if it wasn't for the the preparation he went through and all those people that he has put in the right spot for him to be successful at this point in time, not to mention having Bobby move to Kansas City. So all of that was fascinating. Uh, the on-field stuff was fascinating. I mean, I, I love the play call stuff. You know, that's kind of the nerdy side of me where I, I love looking, hearing that stuff and seeing what they do and um, having all that explained. But I, I you know, I, I think his on-field interactions, whether it was to Andy Reid when he got hurt or to teammates and trying to build them up and always trying to motivate them, and especially to uh, opponents as well. Uh, that was all fascinating, and obviously the Max Crosby thing was, was one of the highlights of the whole thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Listen, uh, I, the, I, I really enjoyed the off-field stuff too, the interaction with the, with the family, with Brittany. I thought she, uh, I thought she, she did really well in this as, as well. Um, but, you know, for, for our purposes – we cover the games, we go to the practices, but we don't hear mm-hmm. the games. We don't hear the practices. And this took us inside of those. I don't think there was any great revelation, but there was. it was just a lot of, yeah, that's, you know, that, that's interesting that that's what he, I remember when they were talking, here's what they said. Uh, I enjoyed that part of it. It was, that to me was, was revealing. Um, and uh, and I want more of it now. Now I don't want there to be a season without uh, mic'd up Patrick Mahomes and uh, and some Netflix series to stream it to my viewing. You know, if you think about this, we're really kind of spoiled. Or I, I was covering KU for so long, like basketball, where it's just such an intimate setting. There's no helmets. Everybody's out there. You hear what Bill Self is yelling at his players. You hear the play calls. Yes. You, you kind of get that whole thing. In football, it's just different. I mean, you got this huge stadium, you got all this noise, this ambient crowd noise, and you got the helmets on them, and you can't see facial expressions. So I agree with you, Blair. It's, it's just a part of the game we don't see that often. We don't feel that often. We don't experience that often. And there's just a human side to it, too. It's because, I mean, I sometimes think, oh, these are, they kind of seem like robots out there. You know, they kind of seem like they're very mechanically doing stuff. And yet, here's Mahomes. Hey, great pass rush, 98. You know, I mean, it's like, well, you would never imagine somebody saying that in the heat of the battle. And, and these guys are just interacting with each other, uh, as many of us would or do in our everyday lives. So that was fascinating to watch. And I think that was one of the highlights of what they did was just sort of, again, put voices to this game on the field that a lot of times lacks that sort of um, closeness that we might get with other sports. Well, like Patrick Mahomes, and I forgot the game uh, that uh, we heard this, but we're here all day too, Jesse, (laughs) uh, covering practice uh, at Missouri Western. Thanks for the conversation. Let's take a break, and then when we come back, we will hear from Patrick Mahomes at training camp. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patrick, how would you um, describe the theme of this camp and what you're hoping the rest of the guys sort of get out of this experience? Yeah, I think the thing this year is how can we keep building? Um, obviously, we won the Super Bowl last year, and it was amazing, but still have a lot of young guys. Uh, we want to continue to get better and better. I mean, you look around the AFC, everybody's gotten better. Um, so you want to continue to build and build and not be satisfied with what we did last year and see if we can take that next step. Patrick, what's your advice to the rookies that are coming in with their first camp? You know, you remember your camp six, seven years ago. What's your advice to them? 
Yeah, I told those guys to make sure you're, you're ready for it. I mean, obviously, St. Joe's is an amazing spot to have camp. We come out here, have a lot of fun, but you got to be ready to work. Um, I tell you, if you can get through Andy Reid's training camp, then you're going to be able to get through an NFL season. I think they have to have that mindset. and uh, They got a taste of it during OTAs and, and that mini camp, uh, but they're going to really see what it's like in training camp. And they know that if, if they do it the right way, they have a, chances, a, be, a good a chance of anybody though, to win that Super Bowl. Patrick, do you think Andy has a – uh, way of challenging you again, a, a new way of challenging you this camp. A hundred percent. I mean, uh, he has a new way of challenging me. It seems like every day. I always feel like uh, I kind of mastered the offense, or I feel like I've kind of know what he's thinking at all times. And then he'll throw a, just a little curveball for me. And I think that's what makes him such a great coach. Is um, he continues to challenge everybody, not just me. I'm sure you ask Travis, you ask Chris Jones, you ask all these guys. They think the same thing because he doesn't let you be satisfied with where you're at. Patrick, your last game you were playing through a very significant injury. Just what's the status of your ankle as you start here? Yeah, it feels great. Um, I think uh, even going into OTAs a little bit, I still was a little timid about running and cutting and doing stuff like that. Um, but uh, I, when I got uh, kind of through, like, closer to vet mini camp in that later OTA stage, I got that confidence back in my ankle and – um, I'm sure I'm not going to be running a lot uh, right now, but we'll be testing it, especially in these half-gassers. So uh, I'll make sure that it's, it's ready to go, and uh, I think I'm in a good spot with it. Patrick, early on in your career, obviously, you had the MVP season. Next year, you won the Super Bowl. Next couple of years, you struggled. Now you've won it again. You feel like you kind of cracked the code Neo type like where now you probably feel like you've seen everything and, you know, actually everything is moving slow for you now? Man, you said I struggled. Uh, no, uh, no, it, it was a uh, – I think I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from those struggles. I've learned a lot from the success that I have, uh, I've had. And so uh, I think I just continue to try to build. Um, like I said, this is going to be no easier. I mean, the AFC is great. Uh, our division is great, as it usually is. Um, and I have to continue to take that next step because there's, there's guys that are trying to continue to build to get to the, the level that we've played as uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And so uh, I understand that it's a continued build. I feel like I still have a lot of places to improve, um, and I'm going to continue to try to do that. Well, the, reason, the, the, the reason why I asked that, Patrick, is obviously you talked with Nate this week on CBS, and um, you were very confident about the team getting back to Las Vegas, something that you all normally wouldn't say before about being being the next year's Super Bowl. So would you would you feel that confident? Is that, I mean, is there is there any reason why that you would speak out on it now, early on, before the season even starts about Trying to repeat. I'm, all, I'm always confident that we have a chance to get to the Super Bowl, um, but I understand that's a process. I understand it's not easy, um, and so uh, I'm going to continue to try to build myself and then help our team get better and better and for those guys to stay motivated, and uh, I think we have a lot of motivated guys um, that, that I think you've from seeing from some of the quotes from everybody that we want to continue to build this thing. Uh, we want to we have a special group that kind of can carry out a legacy, um, and uh, I think we have the right guys, and now let's just go out there and do it. We were asking you about, about the uh, Netflix special during OTAs. Mm-hmm. Now that it's out, and I just want to get your reaction maybe to the reaction of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's had, it's had a great reaction. Um, being number one in the U.S. on Netflix is, is awesome. I mean, you, that's what you hope for. Um, but uh, obviously to get that is, is amazing. Um, I, I, got, I got to watch a lot of my parts, but to see the other parts as well um, and, and see how the guys went about it and Kirk and, and Marcus. Um, I mean, it was, it was truly awesome to be at that premiere with those guys and see the reactions from everybody. Um, and everything I've said has been po- everything that's been said has been positive. Uh, I told you all there's a lot of cussing from me, and I try to cut out as much as possible. But uh, I get on that football field, and I, l- I let a few words go that I don't uh, usually. You can touch your hair. talk a little bit about what do you bring to camp that you can't absolutely live out? I mean, you've been known to pull pranks here. You've been known to, you know, just have fun here. So is there something you pack away that you got to have at every single camp? The mattress pad's obviously the biggest one. You want to make sure you're comfortable. I'll bring my own pillow. 
um, the, the so, so kind of that same type of thing. Uh, and other than that, just got to bring my, my notebook and let, let's get it rolling. Um, and then I try to find just one little way to, to prank Travis Kelsey every year. Patrick, you Did talked you? about motivation. Last year was pretty obvious what you guys were motivated by. Motivated by. What, what is it this year? Like, where, where do you find that this year? Yeah, I mean, you, you look at – there hasn't been a team that go back-to-back since the, the Patriots in, I think, 03, 04. So um, you, you're, everybody's motivated by that. I mean, it, it's – you should be motivated every year in the league. It shouldn't matter what the, the last year was. I mean, you're, you should be motivated to, to do it again. Um, when you have that parade, when you go through the offseason that I've been through, you want to do it again. And you only get those opportunities by winning the Super Bowl. Um, and so for us, we want to make sure that we can build up and try to win that Super Bowl again because that moment, that feeling is something that you, you just want to grab every single time that you get the opportunity to do. I would think of it as your job to sort of ingrain all that, especially here in St. Joe's. Yeah, it's extremely important. I mean, um, to get here and to be here and to get that work ethic every single day. And I, luckily, we have a lot of those guys coming back. Um, and so, like last year, I was trying to tell those guys, like, hey, we need to go through this day. I know it's tough. I know it's not something we want to do, but you have to do it if you want to win that Super Bowl. Well, the guys know that now. Um, and from the most part, I mean, obviously, there's some new players, but guys know kind of what it takes. And so now it's let's do that together. Let's go out there and have that motivation every day to get better. Um, and uh, that's something that Coach Reed preaches. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we have that experience, at least to know that why we're here and why we're trying to, to be great all, all together. A couple more guys. It's difficult to get excited about coming to camp and getting away from your little ones and away from your life. Yeah, I think you, I think that's the biggest thing that's changed for me is just getting away from the kids. Um, I mean, I think whenever it was so easy for Brittany to come back and forth and be at every day at camp, whereas now it's going to be a lot tougher with the, the two babies. And I remember start, I saw Sterling start, was like waving at the window today, and I'm like, man, dude, that's tough. It's just she knows what's going on a little bit more, and um, I think that was kind of the toughest thing. It wasn't to get here, and I mean, it's fun here to me, but to have those long stretches where I'm not seeing my, my daughter and my son, that, that's definitely the toughest part about it. What was this offseason like for you getting to celebrate the Super Bowl finally? It seemed like seemingly every day you're, you're in a different place yeah no it was it was really cool uh winning the super bowl last last time covid kind of ruined that super bowl celebration for us stopped it kind of short um and so to be able to go through the full process of it i understand why tom won a lot of them because it is an amazing process and you want to make sure you can enjoy that with your teammates and i know a lot of guys were bouncing around everywhere as well and i think uh that gives you all the motivation you need to kind of go out there and do it again last Patrick. two last two Patrick, uh, on the, the quarterback special we're not going to talk about that much more because it's football season but when you had like you could see some of the things and you kept some of the things out of there what was that like with coach to kind of be like you know you don't want to give things away what was the process like and how involved was he with kind of helping you make sure there wasn't stuff in there you don't want in there I mean, for, I know it was a long process for me just trying to get those little tidbits of those words that kind of translate. Because, I mean, you change a lot of the stuff. So you can kind of get away with giving away some of the play calls and stuff like that. Um, but there's some stuff that you, you already knew going into this year we were going to keep. So I was trying to get that out as much as possible. Um, I'm sure Ted has a better experience with going to coach and uh, trying to get some of that stuff in. But Coach Reed was really good about it. I mean, um, he, he, let us, he let us put some of that stuff in. I don't think he normally would. Um, because he, he knew it was a great project and he knew we were doing it the right way. And I think having that trust with Peyton um, definitely helped. Um, and then they did, they did it the right way, man. I mean, they saw the, the raw emotion of playing football. Um, you saw what it was like to, to be a quarterback but also be a husband and a father and how you had to balance that time. And you saw it from three different perspectives. And I thought it was a, a, great, a great way to do that, and, uh, and I hope all y'all enjoyed it. Last one, Adam. You talked, uh, Patrick, a minute ago about trying to go back-to-back. Are there mm-hmm. things you learned maybe about trying to do that last year that you can apply this time around? 
Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, I don't think we, we kind of laid off the little things, but uh, just having that consistent effort every single week. I mean, you look at us last time after we won the, the first Super Bowl. I mean, we, we really were like 14-1. and one. We sat the last game, went to the playoffs, and ended up losing in the Super Bowl. Um, but you, you, you get in that mode, especially when you're winning a lot of games, where you can, I don't want to say you coast, but you kind of like, this is what we do. Let's just go out, practice this way, and then, and then win a game. Um, whereas this time, I think I'm going to try to really push and motivate guys to continue to try to get better, even better than – even though we're winning football games, let's not be satisfied with just winning. Let's, let's be satisfied with finding ways to get better every single week. Um, and so whenever you get to that, that opportunity, you don't let it let it squander. You really take advantage of it, and it's hard. Um, I think it'll be, it's going to be the hardest it's ever been. Um, I've said it a lot. The AFC has I – mean, you look at the AFC, there's like almost every team you can see a path for them getting to the playoffs – um, and I know you said that every year, but I think this year is real is really real. And so uh, we know week in and week out is going to be a challenge for us. And let's get better and try to win as many football games as possible and put ourselves in that position. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks guys. Patrick. Thank you all. Thanks, you World Cup is this week. So I hear, despite being immersed in training camp action. Yeah, with the Chiefs, we're talking at uh, Missouri Western, uh, where we cover Chiefs opening day at training camp. But... Um, and we just heard from Patrick Mahomes and before that Jesse Newell about the Chiefs. But now we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. women's national soccer team, which doesn't have a member of the Kansas City Current on it, I believe. That's correct. But it does have a coach who is near and dear to those uh, in Kansas City, Vladko Andonovsky. You had a chance to talk to him, and we will hear from we'll hear a lot of that interview after you and I finish talking. But uh, Vladko is coaching the U.S. Women's National Team in the World Cup that begins for, for uh, this week. The U.S.'s first game is Friday, 8 p.m. against Vietnam. They're also in a group with the Netherlands and Portugal. This is big, big stuff for Vladko. Yeah, it is. And it comes – look, there's so many things converging. Um, you know, they, they won bronze in the uh, – in the in the Olympics, although you know by U.S. standards you might say they lost bronze in the Olympics, although they had not medaled in the previous Olympics. Right, right. Um, but the the World Cup standard has been pretty high, and they've won, know, they've the, won last the last two. Won the last two. Uh, I think it's four overall, and you know, Vlaco will speak a lot about how the pressure is internal, but uh, let's face it, the pressure is external, <laughs> external too. Um, I think his point is that, you know, he's not flustered by that, but uh, it's a really interesting time for him to be on the job because I do think the world is catching up to some degree. Uh, he, he made a, a great point. He didn't make it in my interview with him, but I, I watched the uh, interview with him after their last game against Wales, the friendly before they went into New Zealand. And he made the point that um, there have always been, you know, seven, eight, ten great challenges you know, name the teams. I mean, Germany, Japan, the Netherlands, Canada. Um, but the, the, the days of the seven nothing, eight nothing games against uh, anybody else are are over. Uh, hence, we saw a two nothing win over Wales, and I think they expect a tight game with Vietnam. So that's that's great. That's great for the broader competition, but it, you know, not easy for our hero. Right, right. It's, no, it works cut out for yeah. for Vladko and. And pressure's on, and you talk to him a little bit about how, what he, how he feels yeah. uh, about it. And, and like I said, you'll hear that in the interview that you, you did with him that we're going to run. Um, so what, what – um, uh, we are – I think we're more interested in this team because of him and his background. 
And I loved how he, um, and we, we play this in the interview uh, at the beginning where he says he will make time for the hometown newspaper. I love that. <laughs> I do love that. And it, it is uh, unceasingly of interest to me that, you know, Vlatko Andonovsky is, considers himself a Kansas Cityan. And so that, that's part of his charm. He really has, you know, made his, made his life here. And also part of the charm of the story to me remains that, you know, 10 years ago he really got his start in coaching women's sports with a team that was playing this game at, at a high school stadium and, yep. and was sort of nomadic and had a hard time finding traction and ultimately, you know, went under for lack of better term. So now we compare that to this world where he's the coach of the World Cup team and we're having a, uh, the, the NWSL team build a stadium. And, and so it, it all converges in a kind of neat way. And, and to say nothing of this all being part of the groundswell towards uh, our anticipated feeling about the World Cup here in 2026. You're right. The team that you mentioned was KCFC, and they actually won a couple of league championships, NWSL championships, when he was the head coach. And Coach of the year his first year when mm-hmm. they didn't even win it. So the first year he's coaching women, he's the coach of the year. And then he wins and, two titles yeah. right after that. So he came to Kansas City and played for the Comets. Then he coached the Comets. This is the indoor team. Um, and then he got into yeah, coached the Comets, got into coaching, and, and ended up uh, uh, with the NWSL team. So it's great to see him having the success that he's had. He's been a guest on our podcast before. We yes, yes. So it's been uh, we really appreciate Vladko. And listen, I don't think he would have taken a call from any newspaper reporter, but but uh, or any other media outlet, but. He wanted think, to do this. I think uh, between you and, and Sam McDowell, uh, knowing him and others that were no longer at the paper, that you know, cultivated relationships with him and got to know him. I mean, I, knew, I do know Sam McDowell was among the first people he ever was interviewed by as a coach and things like that. And but it, it you know, in these days in the business, it's it's nice when somebody feels connected to. It's always nice anyway, right? But feels connected to what we do at the Star. We're supposed to be um, unbiased journalists here, but when when Team USA is playing, you know, in any sport, you know, I, I have to root for. Them. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I think we I think we we have a uh, enough. Um, I don't know if it's artistic license, but license right. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to say we're right. we're pulling for Vladko particularly. I mean, I think uh, you know, I, I'm doing air quotes around this for the benefit of our audience. You know, I used my my voice in the in the piece the other day to say, look, this this is this is the most high profile, uh, competitive thing going on for a Kansas City affiliated person until the Chiefs start defending their title on September seventh, right? And I can't think of anything else that's more going to be more visible. And I don't even think we feel it yet, right? I think once it starts, you know, the fever will will be there, and we'll I'm sure get our snapshots at Power and Light and. Um, right, watch parties scheduled. Yeah, watch party schedule for Power and Light, and I think that um, is it Fox. I'm not sure who's. I think it is Fox. It's televising um, the Fox uh, family televising this, and you can tell that they uh, they were taken care of by uh, FIFA with eight eight o'clock starts in Central Time Zone for their first two games, the Netherlands on July 26. Not so much the third game against Portugal that starts at 2 a.m. on August 1st. So, uh, but we get Vietnam Friday, 8 p.m. I'll be watching. I know you will be, too. We're all pulling for Vladko and the, uh, and the U.S. women's national team. So let's now 
listen to your interview with Vladko Endonovsky. When, when did you talk to him? Uh, it was about a week before they left, so maybe uh, they, they left, let's just say for argument's sake, about two weeks ago. Okay. All right, so here is Vahe Gregorian talking to U.S. women's national team coach Vladko Endonovsky. Well, listen, it's a pleasure to hear you. Thanks for making time for your hometown paper. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Uh, uh, Aaron is uh, pretty strict uh, when we're in uh, World Cup camp, but, uh, I, you know, I told him, I said, you know, for Kansas City, I, you, he has to find time for me. Well, that's that's awesome, and, and thanks for thinking that way. Um, so I realize we're on the clock, so I guess I better get a little bit official and start asking you questions. Yes. Um, so yes. one thing... Just to your point, when you said the big one, I, this is probably a hard question to answer. But how how do you find the the the, the sense of uh, maybe the whole feeling of the vibe different between the World Cup and Olympics, for instance? It just strikes me that they're both global stage, but I I suppose there's a different feeling a little bit. Uh, it, it is, and I and I don't know if uh, if there is anything specific that I can say. That uh, that makes uh, makes a difference, but uh, uh, the the World Cup uh, just gives us a little bit uh, a little different feeling, and uh, it, it is the, the best of the best in one place. Yeah, it, yeah, and you know, one of the last times we talked, I think this is probably true on the job. Still, you 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 were talking a little bit about both the joy and the pressure of the job. And I, I wonder over the last year or two, if both of those are still kind of, kind of the, the sensations you feel in this important job. Yeah. I mean, the, the pressure is always there. The pressure is not going to go away. And I, you know, even if I, if I coach, uh, a friendly game, uh, against, uh, the, 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 you know, a weaker opponent, the pressure is there. It's, uh, that, the, and it's not a, a pressure from uh, from outside that you feel. It's the pressure from the inside, you know, that, that I put on myself to to be the yeah. best version of myself and to prepare the team to be the best uh, that they can be. But uh, the joy of uh, being in the World Cup, coaching in the World Cup, uh, competing for for the biggest prize in the world, uh, that's uh, that uh, that something that that you just can't measure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When, as you look back, it's hard to believe it's almost four years since you took the job, and uh, I this is probably hard to get your arms around. But what what would you say you think you you've learned about the job that's maybe different than you might have expected it to be, or or just what have you learned in this in this vital role? I I don't know if I can point one thing like this is what I learned, but I I know that uh, personally as a coach I I've grown a lot uh, on the job and uh, um, I've uh, I've changed things uh, how I operate how how I approach uh, how I approach uh, coaching but uh, also uh, uh, it, like it, like. I don't know how to explain. Yeah, I, I've changed, I've grown, like I've developed, but all, uh, in, in short, like I've evolved. Not that, uh, not that I have changed as a coach. Like I have evolved as a coach, and uh, yeah. and uh, uh, and the uh, and my coaching approaches. Is is there anything that stands out when you say that that you you think of the most? Like, oh, this is what I do now that I didn't do before. 
Uh, what is it that I could? I'm gonna have to think about it. I mean, uh, I I, I can't okay. think of any any specific moments. Yeah. I'm sorry, but uh, I just no. the the, the, feel, the feeling of the like now when I when I look back. I, I mean, I'm I would say I'm a lot more uh, uh, detailed. Mm -hmm. in the approach and uh, even though I was detailed before but I never realized that, it, that this is at uh, it, it, I mean the, the, the details that we go into here it's a different level compared to uh, what I had to go through uh, when I was in the league yeah yeah um, when you came out of the Olympics, what what was your overall feeling about that? I'm sure there was disappointment, but you know, I, I think that you guys, even though it was a bronze, I think that you hadn't gotten to the the, the team hadn't gotten to the platform the last time. But I, what what did you take away? I guess from the Olympics. Uh, obviously, we uh, there were things that we we looked at uh, from the. Uh, structural standpoint as a team, tactically, uh, uh, what is it that we need going forward uh, to to get better at? So we look at looked at it from the physical standpoint and see what we need to do uh, to develop, uh, the, or we need to change uh, or do better from the physical standpoint and uh, technical, uh, technical, but also psychological standpoint. Uh, like uh, what do we need to do to prepare for the World Cup from the from the from the psychological standpoint? So we looked at every um, uh, uh, every aspect of the game and uh, try uh, try to prepare and get better so we don't make the same mistake uh, uh, in the World Cup. It it just looking at the makeup of this team, I guess it's. There have been some teams that are, that are about this age, sort of average age of 28.5, but it looks to me like a really interesting mix of, of veterans and, and, of course, youth. It, it, is, is, am I right about that? And is that is that intentional? You wanted to kind of make sure you had a, a little bit of both? Yes, uh, that was very intentional. We, we, uh, we wanted to refresh the team a little bit uh, and bring a, a, a fresh blood uh, we wanted to bring players that are just uh, uh, a little more, a little more in, uh, energetic and a little more enthusiastic. But we did not want to lose the the experience and uh, uh, the, the the quality from the experienced players that uh, that we had on the team. So this whole time we were, were trying to find the right balance of uh, youth and experience. You know, you're, you're making me think about this, too, and I'm sorry I'm all over the map, but I'm just trying to stay conscious of the time. But um, I think this is the first time we've spoken since since Kansas City was awarded a World Cup site. And I I wonder what that means to you and, and what you think the city should uh, should expect for that. It seems like it'll be one of the greatest events in the history of the city. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know how I feel about Kansas City. You know that that that's my city. You know that's my community. Kansas Cityans are my my people, and uh, uh, the fact that uh, we are going to be able to experience this uh, in, in the middle of our city and to be part of the to uh, to be be, be part of that uh, of the biggest one of the biggest events in the uh, in uh, in the in sports. 
is incredible. I mean, that just speaks about uh, uh, about the, the the city, the commitment of, of the people in it, and uh, I'm just thankful. I think it's going to be a great experience. When you uh, you look around the world, I think that this is probably true. It 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 seems like what the what the KC Current is doing is getting international attention with the stadium and the practice facility. Have you have you seen that 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 still remains uh, sort of unique in the world and and maybe it's even a point of pride for you to have that here. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I had a chance to actually tour the the facility uh, well, before I uh, I came in the, in camp and uh, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, it's just uh, uh, like I said, it speaks about uh, um, it speaks about. Uh, you know the people that are involved and uh, how how they want to cater to uh, to the city, and uh, it's amazing that uh, you know we uh, or our people are the ones that are pushing the standards in the women's sports and uh, women's soccer in particular, and uh, and moving everything uh, to the next level. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our producer, Randy Mason, and to our Sportsbeat Casey staff of Monty Davis, Todd Feeback, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their insights. You know, it's been a while since I've touted the morning sports edition, but it continues to roll. The nation's best digital sports section is packed full of local and national sports coverage. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC where you hear the best insights and interviews in Kansas City area sports.